Welcome to the Mom Powerment Podcast. This is the place where we help parents live a happy, healthy life with their kids, even when they're struggling in their most challenging behaviors. I'm your host, Dr. Karin Jakubowski, an international speaker, public school principal, and former struggling student. The Mom Powerment Podcast equips parents with science-based strategies to help you live a happy, healthy life with your kids. Welcome. Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. It is so good to, for those of us watching this interview, it's so good to see you again. For those of you listening, I've got Lisa here. And I am actually going to ask you, Lisa, if you could share with our listeners a little bit about you. Um, I could have looked you up and shared everything, at, but this time I just wanted to switch it up and just have you share with our listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, personally, professionally, uh, just for those who might not know you, uh, tell us a little okay. bit about you. All right. Thank you, Karen, for having me. I appreciate it. I've been looking forward to it. Um, so I am Lisa Rector, and I live down in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. Grew up in Wilmington, um, but you know, spent my summers here in Rehoboth and ultimately ended up here, which is a wonderful thing. Um, and during that time, um, credential-wise, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, um, and I work right now for the Indian River School District. And I've, role, I've worked a couple different roles within the like in Sussex Central High School, but now a new role within the district. I used to do mental health counseling in the wellness center for many years in the wellness center at Sussex Central. And then that I did a bunch of different kinds of presentations and stuff in the mindfulness realm for the district uh, admin that I worked, you know, worked with, worked for. I think that kind of turned into a job for me. So now I am, um, my official title is the therapeutic liaison for the student support suites um, for the Indian River School District. So um, and I can certainly tell more about, you know, sort of what the goals of those rooms are. But in addition to that, um, I have had a personal mindfulness practice, gosh, it's been, I would say probably 20 plus years. And I wouldn't say it was always called mindfulness at the time, but sort of as my practice has developed, it, it definitely, um, that's what I would call it now. So much so that um, I'm one of six founders of a local nonprofit that's called the Minds Over Matter Initiative. And our goal originally, anyway, we were founded in 2014. And our original goal was to bring the practice of mindfulness into the schools to kids. Because um, we all, you know, as parents, the founders, you know, just saw the stress that kids were under. And we thought, wow, this is so valuable. How can we bring this to the kids in the school? And so not only do we go into the schools, but we also do a lot of presentations within the community. So, and the Minds Over so Matter. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. The Minds Over yeah. Matter has been around how long? Did you say formed in 2014? Wow. So there's six of us um, who are the founders, and it's just you know it was just sort of like a little organically grown group of of moms here, you know, we, you know, down here in Sussex County, you know, it's almost like everybody knows everybody more or less, you know, so many degrees of separation. Um, and so just in our community, um, I was having lunch with, uh, uh one, who's now one of my co-founders of Minds Over Matter, Beth Joslow. And she was telling me how she was speaking with a couple other people, Krista Griffin, Karen Barwick about bringing this, like wanting to bring this practice of mindfulness into the schools. And they had had a few discussions about it. And um, I said, oh, I'd love to get in on that. It's something I'm really passionate because I was using it a lot in sort of my counseling sessions with kids. And um, it's just such a passion for me. And so, you know, through many meetings and conversations, we rolled out 
an initial pilot program. Um, I want to say it was 2015 in the Cape Henlopen Lipin School Districts. They gave us four of their elementary schools and um, we're all trained in the mindful schools curriculum. Um, oh, I'm a certified mindfulness instructor through the year long curriculum as well. I did like a and you did their year programming. You did their year long program, right? I did their year long and yeah. I submitted a practicum. So I got officially certified mm-hmm. through them. Um, and so, you know, we've grown enough that we've hired other teachers who we contract with other trained teachers in mindfulness who will help us when we have contracts with different schools who, that were schools that we've been in. So, and then what, what, what did that program look like in the elementary school? So our first year, um, like I said, they gave us um, two classes within each of the four elementary schools. And um, upon completing the Mindful Schools program, they do give you a curriculum that you can follow. So it basically looked like we would go into the schools twice a week for 15-minute sessions with the kids for a period of eight weeks. Um, And it just went beautifully. So so they so it wasn't every class in the school. No, they just gave us four classes. Oh, yeah. Did you do a pre and post survey with them or no? Oh yeah, we did do pre and post tests. I think we have them somewhere on there. And what? And what do you what do you remember to like be standing out as like something that they said about it that like I mean I know it's so long ago but. No, I mean, there's so many little funny things. In fact, our website, which does need to be updated, like we have a poem that a kid wrote on there about mindfulness, just, you know, how cool it was. But, um, you know, like one thing that just really touched my heart um, in one of our classes and this, we had a teacher who really just embraced it and was very open and really kind of sustained it throughout the weeks in his classroom to kind of really help develop the the practice with the kids and so we had like a sharing circle at the end and just the things that the kids said and shared with us how it's helped them so much you know like some of them the majority of the class would say like when we first went in and these were like little second graders first graders who in here has problems sleeping you know and all the hands up at that little age and so you know they said I sleep better at night I use my breathing before I take a test and so I don't get as anxious I was in a swim meet one time really nervous and I learned to just breathe and pause and one one kid even said and this is one of my favorite always cracked him up because he really made his brother mad and he went to his room and and breathed instead of saying a curse word (laughs) so I won't tell you explicitly what that was but it was pretty funny so you just and to see them just like settle and and kind of the kindness and the compassion it cultivated within the kids. Um, even the teacher would say, you know, gosh, you know, we haven't had any issues of bullying, you know, in the playground um, or issues in the cafeteria, or at least they've been down since they've been taking this program. So um, it was fabulous. In our, in our data, hundred percent of the kids said they wanted us back. I'm sorry, hundred percent of the teachers said they wanted us back. And I think like the overall rating for the kids was about 87%. Wow. I know. How can you refute that data and not be inspired to continue the work? Now, somehow you were still able to work in a school this past year. Can you tell us about that? What did that look like? And what was the age? So, um, actually, so I could speak on behalf of Minds Over Matter. Do you want me to speak to my own experience working within a school district? Um, Well, maybe I, did you run a mindfulness little practice in the school last year? 
we had, we did programming with the Sussex Montessori school. And okay. so they're a new school that just opened this past year. Um, right now it's K to three, but I think the goal is to expand. And um, we uh, started in February. And if we were going to follow like the mindful schools curriculum, which, you know, we can adapt and change all the time, of course, with permissions. Um, so, you know, we did the eight week, 16 session classes, but they loved it so much. They asked if we could extend it even longer, almost to the end of the school year, which was perfect. So we had to um, improvise, you know, we had one class on ground and then we had one class virtually. So it was two classes a week, but one in person and one virtual and um, all the classes K to three, um, you know, had these experiences and, you know, I have a folder here. Actually, I just happen to have it next to me, but like the comments from the kids are just so wonderful. You know, it's just, um, if you want, I mean, I can. Yeah. And I, yeah, go ahead. And I would think while you're looking, I would think this year, like on a normal year, this is helpful for the kids, but this past year, I bet it was even more of a grounding for them when there was so much unknown and so much unexpected and didn't know what was happening in the next moment, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so our teachers, I wasn't there teaching. Um, I think you've interviewed, well, she didn't teach this one, but I know you've interviewed Heba before, but um, Amy Casas, as well as Karen Trupo, they're two of our teachers who teach for us and they ran the program over there this year. And um, I mean, you know, the feedback just was terrific. You know, the kids absolutely all in caps love mindfulness. These are like the teacher evaluations. Um, you know, for example, the students enjoyed the lesson on using their sense of smell to guess what was in the cup. They love being close, being able to close their eyes and use their background knowledge to guess the food. So Mindfulness isn't just about getting quiet, but it's just like fully being in the experience. So learning to really, when you're seeing things, when you're tasting, when you're hearing, when you're touching, to notice that and be present in the experience. Mm -hmm. So that's just a little random one that I pulled out. So beautiful. And even kindergarten, yes. right? Did you do as low as kindergarten, you said? Uh, kindergarten to third grade. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's amazing. I, I absolutely just love that. Um, and then, so your, your work in your, your other job that you do, how do you infuse yeah. the mindfulness? And um, can you tell us what that looks like and what, what you've seen the benefits of in that world? So, um, like I said before, when I was doing sort of the mental health counseling, I really infused a lot of it with the kids there and they really appreciate it, you know, learning to connect to the breath, learning to just sort of be in their bodies, you know, often, um, you know, like let's say these kids are often living from the shoulders up, right? It's like they've just got so much going on in their mind. So to teach them little skills to help sort of bring down their anxiety and stress. Um, and then in that role as well, I ran a pilot over with a group of kids in the high school which also went beautifully. Um, so moving forward into this new position. So I'm, I was hired to kind of evolve these student support suites. And, and I'm sure you being a principal, you know, sort of all the, um, you know, like SEL, social emotional learning stuff coming down the pike, you have MTSS, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I think this is part of that, um, initiative, you know, to bring these practices into the school. So COVID really did, you know, throw a monkey wrench into things. So it wasn't where we could really, unfortunately, have groups 
um, this past year, we did create a class uh, and another social worker created a class for all students called um, it's Sussex Central, they're Sussex Central Nights, and we called it Night Vision, where, you know, we introduced practices of mindfulness and self-compassion and, you know, gratitude for all the kids to take and access. And so there are a few days a year where the teachers would each get like a lesson from the curriculum and really expand on that in their classroom, which was really, really cool with the kids. Um, and then additionally, um, I, I had to be um, virtual a lot of the time, just and sort of that I've had health issues. That's sort of where my whole practice of mindfulness came from. So I was virtual. So in the meantime, I um, created something called the Virtual Self-Care Cafe, which was all like online stuff for our staff within the district. So I offered live mindfulness practices and live yoga practices and um you know, it's when my boss hired me, she said, you know, this stuff's going to take time. It's a cultural change. And it really is, you know, as you know, teachers have so much going on. But um, I think the most important thing with this practice is sort of sustainability and, you know, integrity when it's being taught. And so, you know, I'm very passionate. My other colleagues are very passionate about sort of helping them understand the practice. So any opportunity I got this past year to teach about mindfulness, to practically to practice about mindfulness, to offer it to the kids, I was all over it. So moving forward with the student support suites, um, they basically, they're going to be like their own space within the school where mm -hmm. kids can come and sort of just you know, if there's a lot of behavioral problems, they can come down and we can do hopefully have some success in offering these practices with the kids and, and in, in turn, fingers crossed, like the behavioral issues will go, will go down. That's and I've awesome. also trained, I just remembered, um, I also trained with the Holistic Life Foundation out of Baltimore too. And so they're another great organization who, you know, they have great research on sort of just how like our school suspension and detention, all that stuff goes way down with these practices. So that's what I aspire to with uh, the suites with the Indian River District. So that's going to be an interesting year to implement all of that and watch the data and see what. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so I'll have yeah. to have I'll have to have you back on our podcast to share. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, I'd be glad to. You know, I have to. It, it's so hard because it, you know it's something I, I do feel firmly that you know, for sustainability, you know, to keep it going, like, yeah, there have to be ways to sort of continue to cultivate this practice. So even if it's kind of like parents who are interested, like offer practices for parents and teachers and in services, and, you know, certainly do what we can, but also keeping in mind that, you know, there's a little bit of a culture shift, so it's going to take some time yeah, and uh, just letting it, yeah, grow organically. And what I noticed was people who may not have a mindfulness practice or know a lot about it or we hear of it but kind of what really does that look like um when when teachers actually experienced it when we had that mindfulness coach come in that i told you about at our school it was when people experienced it then then they 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 felt that positive change and were able to then speak about it saying like wow, like this really helped me. And then they were doing it with their own kids and their own family, as well as, you know, being a support of it in the school with the kids when they were getting it from the coach. So it was, it's almost like if you're listening to this and you haven't really explored it, 
um, just just give it a try or be open to learning about it because you might realize the benefit of it that will help you in, in, in a way that you didn't even know existed before that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we've had kids who've gone home and taught their parents. Kids Isn't who we've it? taught, who've reported back that they've gone home and taught taught their parents. I had one student that every night at dinner, they would pause and just kind of settle and do some breaths and then yes. you know, talk about something they were grateful for. So, so what's, uh, so what's one, good. what's one um, little breath activity that maybe someone listening or watching this could learn from you right now and like practice with their kid. Do you want to just like walk us through a simple one? Well, you know, the one actually, and I really like to educate people on the importance of the breath. So I really like to do the belly breathing. And the reason why that's so powerful is because, you know, often, you know, if you were to look at a newborn baby when they were born into this world, you'd see their belly going up and down and breathing. But somewhere along the line, we tend to lose that. We can often do, you know, really shallow breathing through our chest. So that, that usually happens when we're in a state of stress. So teaching people how to get back into that diaphragmatic breathing is what really it sort of takes you from the fight flight freeze nervous system to the whole like rest and digest parasympathetic nervous system that really helps you to calm your eyes and that's one where like i usually like to begin with that because it really people can feel the difference you know like they can feel relaxed and that may look like oh my gosh i'm sleepy or they're yawning but it's just because like they're getting oxygen out to their full body and calming that nervous system down. So to guide the practice, you know, and and what we've done with kids before um, is, you know, if if parents are working with little kids, like have them lie on the floor and get something like a, a marshmallow or something and put that on their belly. And when you're breathing in, you're almost like pushing that belly out. You want to see that marshmallow go out, you know, the belly lifted up. And then when you're exhaling, you're going to pull all that air and blow all that air out. Almost if you can kind of envision pulling your belly button back to your spine and just (sighs) releasing all of that air and doing that, like I'd say, you know, breathe in for four, hold for four, exhale for four. You may need a little baby recovery breath in between breaths, but then do that at least four times and just kind of notice like how your body feels. You know, if it feels more relaxed, if your jaw isn't as clenched, if your shoulders are down. Um, so that's all because it's so tangible. People really notice the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Thanks for explaining that and sharing that for us. So we can try that well, <laughs> after listening. Yeah. To I don't don't like totally quote me on this, but if I understand it correctly, when you take these deep belly breaths, it presses down on the diaphragm. And that stimulates the vagus nerve, which is like the second largest bundle bundle of nerves in our in our um, body, and that runs all the way up to the back of the spine and helps with the production of serotonin, which is like the the mood drug, like mood leveling, feel good kind of brain chemical. So, so. yeah, oh, this is so good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. Thank you for sharing that. So, sure. um, we probably have parents, moms, anyone listening on this um, episode. And we've got our kids coming back in the fall. There could be a lot of anxiety around that. Maybe parents have anxiety for their kids having anxiety. What's like something you could share or leave with them with, with something around this work that could help them? You know, 
what my teachers from mindful schools taught me is to really practice, and I quote, short moments of awareness, awareness practiced many times throughout the day. So it may, like we spoke about before, it may not be easy to just go from being active to just sitting in quiet, you know, just sitting quietly. So practice little activities of awareness where, you know, when you're washing your hands, like really be in that experience, you know, like feel the temperature of the water. And then, you know, what does the soap feel like? Or like, same thing when you're in the shower, when you're outside, like when you go outside, no headphones, try not to talk if you can, and just see what you notice, you know, see, maybe you notice something different that you didn't notice before, because you're really paying attention on purpose with curiosity, which is kind of the definition. So, um, and then, you know, the short moments of awareness practice many times throughout the day, that helps to grow those periods of time to where, all right, let me try and sit quietly here for a few minutes, you know, and see if I can just sit and be still. Um, I like the, um, uh, what are they called? The spheres, Hoberman spheres. Have you ever seen those? It's called a Hoberman sphere. I wish I had mine right here, but it's like this really cool ball that you can, like when you inhale, you pull it out. It expands. The kids love that. They yeah, absolutely that's love it. a great one. And it's a good visual. Yeah. It's that's a great It starts visual. small yeah, and it expands. Yes. I know what you're talking about. Absolutely. So I, I always recommend that. Kids love it too. Um, and then again, I mean, there are single little things out there like a, a singing bowl, you know, which I love to use with kids, you know, if they're okay with it. Like often when I'd have kids come into my office, I would have them see if they could actually get the bowl to sing, you know, which would distract them from their anxiety. Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's so many little options, but, you know, right on down for kids, there's apps out there. There's great apps out there. Like one I hear really good things about for kids and for adults is Calm and Headspace. And then, um, yeah, teachers definitely like Calm. And I know, you know, books, like I think you interviewed our friend Heba who just released a book. Um, I feel better now, I think it's called. And what I like about that book is um, it could, you know, someone who has zero knowledge of practices of yoga, breath work and mindfulness could read this book and guide a practice for their kids, you know, without any knowledge, it takes you right through it in the form of a story. Yeah, she did. And for those listening, Heba is on a, a previous podcast. If you go back maybe like six podcasts, you'll find Heba's interview. And if you watch the video of it on YouTube, she actually does like a whole picture book reading of it. So yeah, I felt the same way. Like if anybody didn't know anything about yoga or mindfulness, her book really like just walks you through a very simple way where you could even practice it with your kid and like kind of show your kid. So I yeah. love that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think those are all really good places to start you know and what I love I have any here for oh I do so um for adults for example who really kind of want to start a practice short moments of awareness is you know get a few of these little stickers right like little yard sale things and put them someplace that you will see them but not so much that they become invisible invisible and when you say just pause notice you know how are you feeling where's your mind you know what's going on and just be curious. You know, I like to say, be like the scientists of your mind. Just explore what's happening, what's going on in those moments. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. you started your mindfulness practice, like you said, like 20, 25 years ago. Yeah. So, so what, yeah. what, how did, how did your practice evolve or start or how, 
someone show you or? Well, it's, it's kind of interesting. So as a little kid, I was like five and I was diagnosed with kidney disease. And then, um, you know, fast forward 20 plus years later, I had like an episode, I'd been fine. And then 25 years later, you know, I had like a flare up. Um, and I was just highly anxious from that. Like it just, I think there was a lot of stuff that probably got triggered from when I was little because I had big surgeries and everything. And I was like a walking anxiety attack. And I wish I knew who turned me on to it, but someone had suggested that I listen to these books on tape, date myself. Um, Dr. Andrew Wild is his name, Wild, not with the D, W-E-I-L. And um, they were meditations for optimum health. And I remember just religiously listening to those books on tape all the time. And I think that's kind of where my practice began. Um, and then I just found such peace in that and through the years, you know, I, you know, there's another um, podcast that I listened to. I don't know if you've heard of Tara Brock or not, but she's wonderful. And um, just was getting little tastes of it here and there that really just kind of, you know, made me hungry for more. That's my training with mindful schools and, you know, the holistic life foundation. I'm actually getting ready to do another program with breathe for change um, starting in October. Cause I just love to always, you know, expand on this. Cause like I said, it's a lifesaver for me. It's been a, yeah, yeah, it has. And it, and it can be, I, I think, I think people will realize that if they give it more time and, and space in their own life. Um, do you have any suggestions for someone who may be interested in beginning their own mindfulness practice? Like, what would you say to somebody? I would tell them that you can't stop the thoughts, so don't expect the thoughts to stop. I mean, I always like to give a little neuroscience flip to people, which is like the average person has anywhere from 50 to 70,000 thoughts a day. 75% of those are negative and 90% are reoccurring. So our brains just like all the time. So just like our heart pumps blood, our brain thinks thoughts. So it's not something where like, you're going to be able to quiet down, but you're going to begin to maybe change your relationship over time with some of the thoughts that really just are running in the background that can kind of wear you down. So I, you know, I think just try and um, approach it with curiosity and non-judgment. You know, it's very easy to be like, I can't do this. I can never sit still. Like, it's not, it's not a quick fix. It's something that takes a while. You don't go to the gym and build a muscle in one day, right? So this is something that just takes time and just to have compassion for yourself that you're just starting something new. And um, like I said, it doesn't have to be right off the bat sitting on the cushion or whatever and, and getting quiet. Although in time, I find that personally very helpful because you just don't realize sort of all the stuff that is sort of playing in the background of your mind. Um, but it does just help you realize, like, I, I mean, how do you like, you can't, it's hard to put into words for me, like what it means to be present. But when you have those bits of presence, it's, it's very powerful. It makes you realize like, oh my gosh, I want more of that. Yeah, I love that. Just have compassion with yourself. And I know in the mindful schools, uh, the first course that they offer, they just have you sit comfortably, still quiet, you know, you don't have to sit in the lotus position or sit and, you know, hum or, you know, and your fingers in a certain way, which people, you know, think because, because they just don't know. Um, yeah, you, you don't have to do that. You can just kind of like sit comfortably and still and it's, it's really just calming and, and stilling your place, your, your mind and your thoughts. 
Um, and what about any suggestions for implementing a mindfulness program or mindfulness work in schools? What would you say to anybody listening? Um, I'm going to back up and say one more thing to your last question. Yeah. If I may, if that's okay, yeah. just, just know that they can always listen to a guided meditation too. Okay. So that's helpful too. You know, if people, mm-hmm. you know, just, they find it hard initially to just be quiet, follow yeah. a guided meditation. That's fine. Another great one's insight timer has a tons of oh, hundreds yeah. of free, free guided meditations. Um, so my recommendation in starting a program in the school is I think since we started back in 2014, uh, minds over matter, like the practice of mindfulness, it's become so commonplace anymore. Like you see it everywhere. So at least there's more known about it. Um, you know, what I've heard is teachers really experience a lot of initiative burnout. Like, oh gosh, here's one more thing we have to do. So we've kind of, you know, on behalf of Minds Over Matter, we've sort of, instead of like going to people and saying, hey, we have this great program, we've offered it where we can and then have just let it grow organically to where schools come and ask for it with us. Um, But also like if it's somebody who wants to start it within their school, like I would start by sort of finding your champions. You know, that's kind of what I've had to do is find the people who you feel can really embrace it, who are enthusiastic about it, who are open to trying these things. And um, I don't know, it's to me personally, I think it would be a hard thing to mandate for people to do because it is kind of a practice, but there's, there's ways of doing it that can be fun and not like so intimidating for people who aren't ready for what the perception of mindfulness is, you know, of just sitting quietly and like you said, in the lotus position or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so find your champions, definitely start small, you know, and just let it grow organically. Yeah. I think organic is what I would say too, from what I've noticed in our school and just in talking with others who practice the, the organic approach really, it flourishes. And it's the thing that continues because if people then experience it and they have found benefit, it, they, they just continue it. No one had to tell them they had to keep doing it. Right. Yeah. I mean, we've had experiences where, you know, other people who I've met who have practices in their classrooms will say, other teachers have said, what are you doing with that kid? Like he's so much calmer. Like what? I want some of that. Like what's going on? So you know, just like we, that, it can grow. We had a kid, a kid who had mindfulness. Um, I think they had it in first grade when the coach came in. And then this year they were in second grade and it was towards the end of the school year. And I get a call from the teacher and the teacher's like, so-and-so said they need to come down to your office to do some mindfulness. So the student came down and I'm like, okay, sounds like we just need to take a few minutes to breathe, you know, and I I always give them the choice, like, do you want to do the ball breath or the finger breath? And they choose. And then I'm like, do you want to do five breaths or four breaths? And they choose. And then we just did it together, you know? And then at the end, I was like, sounds like you were having a rough moment. Like, I always use the the question, like, what's up with that, you know? And they proceeded to share and, and, and we figured out how to problem solve that issue and then I just shared it with the teacher later and it helped inform her of what he was thinking and what he was going through at that moment that might not have looked like what he was going through at the moment um but that kid in second grade knew I need to take a breath get back in touch with 
you know, myself to calm myself down or, I mean, they were actually kind of calm, but whatever it did in their mind, it calmed something down for us to talk about it and then problem solve the issue. And it was just like for that, like I would trade anything to have kids learn that and know that. Right. Oh, and it's within them. It's in them. And that was the thing. I'm like, this is free. It's in your back pocket at all times. Like, let's just try it. You may be like, what is this stuff? But just trust me, just try and hold on, practice a little bit. And then, you know, the other thing is, I think if you have your own practice, you may notice it in yourself sort of when you sort of respond to situations with kids who are struggling, you know, just your engagement, the calmness of the engagement can make the big difference in how the kid's going to respond or react or respond. So funny. My, My secretary walked in my office one day and I was sitting there doing a breath with literally, I think I do the finger breath because I just love it because it forces me to like have oh, yeah. to do it five times. And I was like, I just need a moment. And, and I, I do it. I did it. I do it myself. Like I teach the kids, you know, and we model it for them and, and I use it and yeah, it, it works. It's, it's, it's so powerful. Like if you're listening to this, like definitely pick something up, try something out, go to my mindfulness with Dr. J YouTube channel. I have a couple little clips there of it, but, or even on, you know, my website, www.educationalimpactacademy.com. There's, there's an adolescent video to, for free for you just to watch. And the kids ones taken from the mindful schools curriculums and adapted. And, um, yeah, I mean, Lisa, this, I, I'm so grateful to hear the work that you're doing and I am so excited. You and- too. How lucky your students are and your staff. It's wonderful. Yeah. And, and, and just, it's always exciting and invigorating to talk with you because I love your passion and your love and your zeal for this. It's so inspiring. And, um, thank you for doing this work and thank you because you do this work and it is benefiting so many kids, teachers, adults, parents, um, educators, and, and, on the back end, sometimes it, it doesn't always come back where people thank you. So I just want to take a moment about all of these people that you have impacted that are out there that thank you and you've invested and you continue to invest. And and what what a what a just a, a beautiful you're just such a, a light that um, that you're bringing to these schools and these districts. And I'm they're they're so fortunate to have you and i'm so excited to have you share with us today and we'll definitely you let me know when you've got data from this year to come back and tell us like this is i think this is going to be a new it should be a new wave that crosses schools um you know in delaware and the country and yeah like i think every school district should have this this kind of mental mental mindfulness awareness support for the teachers and the kids and um yeah we'll do, we're just going to do it one 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 step at a time like you said and then just let it grow organically right. planting seeds right we're planting seeds and you've kind of seen the growth of it in the last several years so i think um more than ever coming out of the pandemic you know going back into school it's going to be very very vital i suspect there'll be lots of anxiety and i agree other things. So we will really be engaging in our own practices. (laughs) I'm sure you and I both. Yes, we will. And um, so if if someone were interested in this work um, and they wanted to reach out or, or, or follow, I know Minds Over Matter has a Facebook page. So I encourage listeners to go on and, and follow that, like that page. And you mentioned a YouTube channel. I hadn't looked that one up yet. 
or no, if you had a website. We do have a website. It does definitely need to be updated. We laugh because we're all, you know, like some of us are therapists. Some of us have like, you know, side businesses, but nobody's like real savvy when it comes to internet stuff. So it's up, the website needs a little updating, but we are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Okay. Um, and um, I thought you'd ask something else. I can't remember. So sorry about that. Yeah. So I'll put all of those, you can send me those, those handles and all those, and I'll put those in the description notes of this episode and the description on, on the YouTube uh, video that, that posts as well. Um, well, Lisa, is there any last thing you want to leave a listener with today? Um, I think, well, first off, I want to say thank you to you actually for this opportunity and thank you on behalf of all the kids and lives you're touching. I think, um, like you already said, it's amazing work and to have somebody who is passionate like yourself about bringing this to kids is, is huge. And again, I'll just reiterate for somebody who's interested in starting a practice, just really, it's very easy to kind of be like, oh, I can't do this, or this is so hard. It's not going to be easy because it's something new that you're starting, but try as much as you're able to, to just be patient with yourself and you know, short moments of awareness practice many times throughout the day. So, you know, just try and, you know, there's a, there's a quote, I don't even know who said it, but that we've become human doings and not human beings anymore. And so just take time to be a human being again, you know, disconnect, pause, be in the experience and um, be kind to yourself. That's what it's all about. It reminds me of that book. I I think it's I Am Peace. Yeah, the book I Am Peace. I read that as a star party book one year. And I was just reminded of it just a few weeks ago where there's this one phrase in there where they say, I am in this moment. I am peace. And I, I actually caught myself saying to myself, wait, I'm in this moment. Because how, like you were saying, so many of our thoughts are a future thought that hasn't happened yet. And most of the things we worry about never happen, but that's a whole other <laughs> discussion. Or right. our thoughts are in the past right. of what just happened and, and what I said or what they say or how they feel or how did, how, did, how, how did I interpret that? Or, oh my gosh, you know, all these questions. And, and, and I really caught myself just saying, wait, I am in this moment. And it helped me, just that little phrase. So that's something that helps me. Well, and our thoughts really have like, total energy to them that you know me and my expressions i love my expressions but something like where where thought goes energy flows and it's true if you notice mm-hmm. sometimes if you catch yourself sort of in a negative thought how that can make your body yes. feel and yeah. so that's like another benefit of this practice is it teaches you how to change your relationship to thoughts yeah you know and yeah. not get so you know knocked down by them <laughs> that's why i was in my office breathing because i'm like i'm not spending any more ounces of it i have only so much energy today and i'm not spending any more on that like but i but i had to like struggle to get myself there because i just naturally like you rehearse that negative it just your mind just naturally goes there well lisa yeah, thank absolutely. you thank you so much again it was just oh i'm so looking forward to this interview and oh, i can't wait too. to talk again and um Anyone listening, I'm going to put all the contact information for you to follow um, in in the notes uh, below. So thank you for joining us. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see you soon. I'm just going to say I can't wait to see you soon. (laughs) Because we're going to do it again soon. (laughs) Some data for you. Awesome. All right. All right. Thank you so much. Have a good night. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Well, that's all we've got for this episode of the Mom Powerment Podcast. 
Thank you so much for joining us today. I can't wait to help you live a happier, healthier life with your kids. Click subscribe today, and we can't wait to have you join us on our next episode. Thanks again, and remember, don't worry, be happy.